0: You know, look. Keep your place in uh, Genesis 41. Go to First Corinthians chapter 10. I want you to see something. First Corinthians chapter 10, verse 11. This is talking about what happened in the Old Testament, specifically the uh, uh, children in the, the wilderness. Look at what it says. Now, all these things happened unto them for in samples, and they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed, lest he fall. You know, these things in the Old Testament are so vitally important for us. I asked you a minute minute ago if you love Jesus. Well, we're going to learn some things about Jesus Christ from the life of Joseph this morning. That I'll tell you what, if this doesn't give you confidence in your Bible, nothing will. When you see the things that God outlined thousands of years before they happened and specifically specific details in their right order it's an amazing thing in our sunday school class this morning we were referencing how uh, at the end of the 1800s there was a big move called higher criticism and what it did was it challenged the word of god and one of the areas where they challenged the word of god was that moses didn't write the first five books of the bible That is one of the things that they would teach, that Moses didn't write it, and that Genesis was written something like 400 B.C. 400 B.C. Well, let's say that that's true, that it was written 400 B.C., and it wasn't. How many of you think that Jesus knows more about who wrote the Bible than the critics? Jesus said Moses wrote Genesis, so I'll take Jesus' word for it, all right? But uh, imagine that even 400 years before Jesus Christ lived, God wrote these things about the life of Joseph that so perfectly match up. But you're going to see something that would have been impossible for someone in 400 B.C. to know that was written in Genesis that the people living at the time Genesis was written could have understood it, and people living today can understand it, But it was information that was hidden for about 2,000 years. And that proves who wrote the book of the Bible. That's pretty interesting, isn't it? We're going to solve a mystery this morning. But before we do that, let's read some sections here from Genesis chapter 41. Look at verse... Let's just start reading in verse 37. What has happened is Joseph has been sold into slavery by his brothers. He has been in Potiphar's house as a servant... He has been accused of a crime and put in prison. And now, after years in prison, he's been brought before Pharaoh. He has already interpreted Pharaoh's dream. And now, look what it says in verse 37. And the thing was good in the eyes of Pharaoh and in the eyes of all his servants. And Pharaoh said unto his servants, Can we find such a one as this man? As this. A man in whom the Spirit of God is. Isn't that a great question? Who could do this? Can we find a man in whom the Spirit of God is? Verse 39. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, Forasmuch as God hath showed thee all this, there is none so discreet and wise as thou art. Thou shalt be over my house, and according unto thy word shall all my people be ruled. Only in the throne will I be greater than thou. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, See, I have set thee over all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh took off his ring from his hand and put it upon Joseph's hand and arrayed him in vestures of fine linen and put on a gold chain and put a gold chain about his neck. And he made him to ride in the second chariot, which he had. And they cried before him, bow the knee. and He made him ruler over all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, I am Pharaoh. And without thee shall no man lift up his hand or foot in all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh called Joseph's name. Now, let's all read this together. You ready? Zaphnath-Pananiah. zaphnath Payanania or something. And he gave him to wife Asenath, the daughter of Potipharah, priest of On. And Joseph went out over all the land of Egypt. And Joseph was 30 years old when he stood before Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Remember, he was 17 when he was taken out of Canaan. So for 13 years, he's been a slave and a prisoner. And Joseph, in verse 47, and in the seven, uh, uh, let's read verse 46 again, and Joseph was 30 years old when he stood before Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and Joseph went out from the presence of Pharaoh and went throughout all the land of Egypt. And in the seven plenteous years, the earth brought forth by handfuls. And he gathered up all the food of the seven years, which were in the land of Egypt, and laid up the food in the cities, the food of the field, which was round about every city, laid he up in the same. And Joseph gathered corn as the sand of the sea, very much until he left numbering, for it was without number. And unto Joseph were born two sons before the years of famine came, which Asenath, the daughter of Potipharah, the priest of On, bare unto him. And Joseph called the name of the firstborn Manasseh, for God saith he, hath made me to forget all my toil and all my father's house. And the name of the second called he Ephraim, for God hath caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. And the seven years of plenteousness that was in the land of Egypt were ended. And the seven years of dearth began to come, according as Joseph had said. And the dearth was in all lands, but in all the land of Egypt there was bread. And when all the land of Egypt was famished, and the people cried to Pharaoh for bread, and Pharaoh said unto all the people, uh, unto all the Egyptians, Go unto Joseph, and what he saith to you, do. And the famine was over all the face of the earth, and Joseph opened all the storehouses and sold unto the Egyptians, and the famine waxed sore in the land of Egypt. And all the countries came into Egypt to Joseph for to buy corn, because that the famine was so sore in all the lands. Dear Heavenly Father, help us. There's so much ground to cover today, and Lord, we're we're weak and we're frail people. Lord, our minds wander and we have cares of life that 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 come into our hearts and minds. Lord, I pray that you'll help us set those things aside this morning and just learn some things about you, things that will help us to live and walk the Christian life and have confidence in our future and faith in you, strength for the task. Father, please help us. Be with those that are away, people that we love, Lord, please help them to Just have a wonderful and relaxing time. Come back refreshed and ready to serve you better. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, this is an amazing story. And when you look at what has happened, you have a man who is a prisoner. He has been put into a pit. He's raised from the pit, and he's set on the right hand of the king. He's set over all the land. And if anyone is going to live in that land, they have to come and they have to bow the knee to receive bread from this king. While he's on the throne, on the second seat, on the throne. He's given a bride. And when he's given that bride. After his marriage. There are seven years of famine. In the land. And during those seven years of famine. If anyone's going to live. They're going to have to come to him. And live by his rules. After that. All the nations. Come. To him. And if any of the nations are going to live. They have to bow. Before Joseph. Does any of that sound. Like anything that the Bible talks about in the future. You see, what God has just done for us is He has given us the plan of the ages all the way back in Genesis chapter 41. It is unbelievable. And I can tell you this. It is statistically impossible for anyone to write what God has written ahead of time all the way back. In Genesis chapter 41. Let's go through this text and let's find some things. We've learned some things about Joseph. We're going to learn some more things about Joseph. But there's one greater than Joseph. And it's the Lord Jesus Christ. So let's look at some of these things. Let's begin in verse uh, 38. And Pharaoh said unto his servants, Can we find such a one as this? uh, Such a one as this is, a man in whom the Spirit of God is And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, For as much as God hath showed thee all this, there is none so discreet and wise as thou art. Look at Colossians chapter 2 and verse 3. Colossians chapter 2. Now, if you don't have a Bible with you, there are Bibles in the pew in front of you. Um, We're going to be going through a lot of different books in the Bible. There's a table of contents in the front of that Bible. Use it. Take advantage of it. Colossians chapter 2. And look at verse 3. Speaking about Jesus Christ, in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. The Bible says about Joseph that he is none is so discreet and wise as thou art. Well, there's one better. It's Jesus Christ. All knowledge, all wisdom is in Jesus Christ. Look at verse 40. Thou shalt be over my house. Thou shalt be over my house. Keep your place there. Look at Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews chapter three. look at verse one. Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus, who was faithful to him that appointed him, as also Moses was faithful in all his house. For this man was counted worthy of more glory than Moses, inasmuch as he hath builded the, as he who hath builded the house hath more honor. Then the house and every ho- for every house that is built by some man for every house is built by some man but he that built all things is God Jesus Christ is over the house just like Joseph was if you go back to chapter 41 or in verse 40 thou shalt be over my house and according unto thy word shall all my people be ruled when Jesus Christ is on the throne of your heart when Jesus Christ is on the throne of your life. He rules you by his word. Good. I thought my pacemaker battery was going. All right. So when Jesus Christ is on the throne of our lives, he rules us how? By his word. Now, I want to stop there for just a second. Is that what the text says? That when Joseph is on the throne, he will rule all people by his word. Jesus Christ said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every what? Word Word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. You see, our problem is we don't allow every word of this book to govern us. And we live in a day and age where Christianity doesn't consider every word of this book. You'd be amazed at how many commentaries on Genesis don't even talk about Joseph being a type of Jesus Christ. You wonder if these guys have ever read the rest of the Bible because he is such an unbelievable type of the Lord Jesus Christ and picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. So he says he's going to rule by his word. So let me ask you, is Jesus Christ ruling your life by his word? We're going to learn through the rest of this text some ways that he will lead us and guide us by his word. But don't miss that. It doesn't matter what I think about something. Or what you think about something. In casual conversation, we can have opinions. Jacob left his Yankee hat at uh, my sister's house. And they're Cubs fans. And so I called my sister and I said, Jacob left his Yankee hat at your house so your boys can now look like winners. And I couldn't wait for her to tell John that because John... You know, I kept hearing, you know, we played golf, and I kept hearing about how we buy our team and all that kind of stuff and all the stuff that losers say about the Yankees. And uh, you know what? We both had opinions about that. But does that really matter seriously? Does it really matter about anything? I will tell you this. Johnny Pope, the preacher uh, at camp, he pastors in Houston, and he's good friends with Andy Pettit, the pitcher for the Yankees. And Andy Pettit's wife's father, so Andy's father-in-law, is an independent Bible-believing Baptist preacher. And he was getting ready to do a video where he was going to give his testimony, but the testimony didn't use the King James version of the Bible, and Pettit didn't want to do it. He called Brother Pope and said, they're they're not using the King James, should I I do this commercial? And he said, well, they're getting the gospel out, go ahead and do it. And so Pettit did it. But isn't that encouraging? I think that's pretty cool. So, you know, Yankees are godly, godly people. (laughs) But honestly... That stuff's not important. What I think about sports isn't important. What I think about all the things that are going on in the culture aren't necessarily important. What matters is what God says. It's interesting. And that's what a ruler does. A ruler rules. A wise ruler will rule by the word of God. So look at what it says. Verse 40 again. Thou shalt be over my house, and according unto thy word shall all my people be ruled. Look at what it says here. Only in the throne will I be greater than thou. Only in the throne will I be greater than thou. Want to see something wild? Look at 1 Corinthians fifteen twenty-eight. First 1 Corinthians fifteen twenty-eight. I hope you will do what I have done. I'm taking all these different types that we're giving you, and I've got them written in the margin of my Bible because this is a great way to show people the power of God's Word is by doing this. But look at 1 Corinthians 15, verse 28. Verse 27 for the context. For he hath put all things under his feet, but when he saith all things are put under him, it is manifest, or that means made plain, that he is accepted, which did put all things under him. And when all things shall be subdued unto him, then shall the Son also be subject unto him that put all things under him, that God may be all in all. So here's what this is saying. Here's what this is saying. One day... Everything will be under the authority of Jesus Christ. Everything, except the one who put everything under Jesus Christ. And that's God the Father. So, just as Joseph was only number two in the throne, Jesus Christ is only number two in the throne to God the Father. Amen? Man, that is, that is a beautiful picture of this doctrine of the Trinity. Look at verse 41. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, See, I have set thee over all the land of Egypt... And Pharaoh took off his ring from his hand and put it upon Joseph's hand and arrayed him in vestures of fine linen and put a gold chain about his neck. Now, don't miss all this. When Jesus Christ comes, his vesture is going to be fine linen. He is, he is, he is clothed in gold. That's his deity. He has the ring that's put on his finger. You know what that makes me think of, the ring that's put on his finger? I think about when the prodigal son came home and the father went and fell on his neck and kissed him and put a robe on his back and a ring on his finger and said, my son has come home. How do you think God the Father felt when Jesus Christ ascended back into heaven? It's just just a beautiful picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's read on. If you look at verse 43, and he made him to ride in the second chariot, which he had. And now we could stop there. Uh, Daniel. In the book of Daniel, Daniel chapter five is a, is a beautiful picture of the Holy Spirit of God, and He's given the third place. Here you have Joseph, picture of the Lord Jesus Christ, given the second place. God the Father is all in all, number one. The Bible is so consistent in all of these beautiful pictures, and it says, "And they cried before him, bow the knee, and he made him ruler over all the land of Egypt." And of course, that's Philippians three ten. Remember what the Bible says. Wherefore, God hath also highly exalted him and given him a name above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, and every tongue confess that he is Lord to the glory of the Father, of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. The Bible says that every knee is going to bow to the Lord Jesus Christ. Here, you had some people going before him saying, bow the knee. Do you know what our job is? Our job is to be like those criers running before the chariot. Bow the knee. Bow the knee. There's one greater, Jesus Christ. Bow the knee. Do you know what you need to do? You need to bow the knee to the Lord Jesus Christ. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Amen? We can bow the knee now or we can bow the knee later. It's better to bow the knee now. Praise his name. That's our job. So now, let's look back at our text. Get to some newer stuff now. Look at verse 44. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, I am Pharaoh, and without thee... Shall no man lift up his hand or foot in all the land of Egypt? Look at John fifteen five. John fifteen five. I am the vine, ye are the branches. John fifteen five. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Is Joseph an amazing picture of Jesus Christ? Do you know what you need? You need Jesus. How many of you have a task before you this week? You're already thinking about it. You've had a hard time getting it off of your mind. Something that's just, it's just weighing on you a little bit this next week. Something you've got to get done. Is there anybody here It's like that? You can do nothing without Jesus Christ. But with Him, you can do everything that He has called you to do. Jesus Christ, your Savior, He's right there. If you abide in Him, if you're in His Word, if you're keeping His words, you're walking in His Word, He can help you to accomplish whatever it is that He wants you to do. Take, Take some of that weight off of your own back and put it on Jesus Christ. We're supposed to lay our burdens on Him, and He'll carry them for us. Look back, Genesis chapter 41. Look at verse 45. And Pharaoh called Joseph's name Zaphnath Peananiah. Do you know what that means? I do. Are you all ready for something that's just really cool? Something that's just going to blow your mind? This is the thing that they couldn't have known 400 B.C. Because this Egyptian language had died by that point. Do you know what this means? Savior of the world. Anybody just get some goosebumps right there? Uh, that is just amazing. Thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. That's Matthew chapter 1 and verse 21. Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world. Joseph is set up as this unbelievable picture of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. Jesus Christ isn't only the Savior of European white people. Amen? Jesus Christ is the Savior of the Muslim. He's the Savior of the Hindu. He's the Savior of the Buddhist. Jesus Christ is the Savior of the Rastafarian. Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world. Every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord He is the savior of the world. And here's the deal. It's not an exclusionary thing. It's an open thing. It's not a discriminatory thing. It's an open thing. Red and yellow, black and white. They are precious in his sight. The Bible says in Acts chapter 17 that Jesus Christ ordained the times and bounds of our habitation. So that if we seek him, we can find him, though he be not far off from any one of us. Jesus Christ determined where we would live so that we could receive Him. Jesus Christ is not just the Savior of the church. He's not just the Savior of the Christian. He's not just the Savior of the Baptist. He's the Savior of the world. And if you're trusting in anything else other than Jesus Christ, you're lost. You're just lost. He's the only way for salvation. If you were living in Egypt at this time, if you were living anywhere in the world, the Bible says that the famine was in all lands. It was a worldwide famine. If you were going to live, you had to come to Egypt. If you're going to live today, you've got to come to the Lord Jesus Christ, bow before Him, and receive the bread of life. That's our Savior, Jesus Christ. Then look at what it says, verse 45. And Pharaoh called Joseph's name zaphnath Peania. and he, One of these days, I'm going to say that fast. And he gave him to wife, look at this, Asenath, the daughter of of Potiphar, priest of On. You know what else we have? Look at Matthew. Matthew chapter 22. Verse 1. And Jesus answered and spake unto them again by parables and said, The kingdom of heaven is like unto a certain king which made a marriage for his son. And he sent forth his servants to call them that were bidden to the wedding. And they would not come. Do you know what we have here? We have Joseph. His marriage was arranged by a king. And do you know what God the Father has done? God the Father has arranged that his son, Jesus Christ, would have a bride. And his bride is the church, you and me. And God has ordained that. But look at who his bride is. Back in Genesis chapter 41, look at who this bride is. <laughs> the, the, the king, the Pharaoh, gives him a wife, Asenath, the daughter of Potipharah, priest of On. Uh, Asenath means daughter of Nath. This is a pagan God. So here you have Joseph. Joseph, the type of Jesus Christ, being given a Gentile bride. Just like Jesus Christ, the Jewish Savior, has a Gentile bride, the church. It's an amazing thing. You say, wait a minute, though. This is a person that that was a worshiper of false gods. Look at Galatians, chapter 4. I hope you all are enjoying this as much as I am. This is such an amazing study. We'll just start reading in verse 1, just because it's so good. Galatians four one. Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child... Differeth nothing from a servant, though he be Lord of all, but is under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the Father. Even so, we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his Son, made of a woman, made under the law. We're at Galatians 4, now we're at verse 5. To redeem them that were under the law, "...that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because ye are sons, God hath sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Wherefore, thou art no more a servant, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ." So remember, you have Joseph. Joseph is in bondage. Joseph is called out of bondage and made a son, an heir, a king. But now look at what it says here about us. Verse 8. Howbeit then, when ye knew not God, ye did service unto them which by nature are no gods. You know what all of us did before we were saved? We worshiped false gods. All of us. It was the God of money the God of false doctrine, the, the, the God of false salvation, the God of false assurances, all of the different things. We always had false gods. So when Jesus Christ saves us and we become a part of the body of Christ, now we are, we are his bride. We are his bride. What does the Bible say about his bride? Look at Ephesians chapter 5, verse 30. Just the next, verse over, next book over, Galatians, Ephesians, chapter 5. Let's start reading in verse 31. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. Let me just stop there. Let's do a parenthesis in this sermon. When you get married, you are now one. You don't have your things and her things. You don't have your checkbook and her checkbook. You don't have your accounts and her accounts, your life and her life. If you'd had children before, you don't have your kids and her kids. You don't have that. You are one flesh. Well, is that what the Bible says? We have so many problems in our families today because we have couples that are trying to walk in different directions. You ever been trying to hold your wife's hand and she's going one direction you're going the other? One time, John Wesley, or John Wesley founder of the Methodist Church, one day a friend came to his house, and Wesley was little. He's like 4'11" four foot ten, four foot eleven. And he had real long hair. And his wife had him by the hair dragging him around the house. She used to beat the bat snot out of him. Well, she left him. And in his diary, it says, Thank God that devil of a woman is gone. <laughs> Wesley and his wife were not walking in the same direction. Evidently. That's right. Here's the idea. Man, if you're going to have a good home, you and your wife, your wife, if you're a woman, you and your husband, you need to be walking in the same direction, one flesh. You have the same goals, the same desires. When you, re- when you raise your children, they're, they're, what's expected of them ought to be the same from mom as it is from dad. No difference. If they behave a certain way around mom, they get the same response as when they behave that way around dad. Why? Because you're one person. You're one person. That's why the Bible says in Genesis chapter 5, he, male and female created he them, and He called their name Adam. That's why you take your husband's name. One head, one name, one purpose, one flesh. Amen? How's that for a sermon right there? All right. Then Lewis says, verse 32. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Isn't that interesting? The Bible says that we as the church and Christ are to become one flesh. If you look back at verse 30, it says, For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. We are part of the body of Christ. Has anyone ever heard of the church called the body of Christ? That's not just a metaphor. We really are his body. But now look at what it says in verse 33. Nevertheless... Let every one of you in particular. So now this isn't speaking of the great mass of Grace Baptist Church. Now it's speaking of Nick and Yvonne and Derek. AJ, sorry, Derek. I had it right? Praise God he helped me. It, it, it's, it's, it's talking about Frank. It's talking about Anthony. It's talking about Mrs. Redman. It's talking about Diana. It, it's talking about us individually now, right? So we've gone from this corporate understanding to each of us in particular now. All right, so now look at what it says. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself and the wife see that she reverence her husband. Isn't it interesting? Men are commanded to love their wives, but wives aren't commanded to love their husbands. You'll see that same thing over and over again. You know why? Because God never asks you to do something you can't do. (laughs) Some of you guys, man, you're just not lovely enough for God to tell your wife to love you. so funny. It's it's right there. So what are you supposed to do? Reverence. If you can't love him, call him reverend. (laughs) Love him. Love her. Reverence. So here's the idea. Jesus Christ loves us in such a special way. And you say, I don't know how to love Jesus the way that I should. You know a good way to start? How about you revere him? How about you live in reverence to the Lord Jesus Christ? Why? Because I'm just like that Asenath. Uh, I'm a worshiper of false gods, and it's only by grace that I have been brought into a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't deserve it. What a wonderful change. What a wonderful change. And it's interesting, when you look, go back to Genesis chapter 41... And look at what happens. <clears throat> if you look at verse 45, he's given a wife. When you look at verse 40, 50, and unto Joseph were born two sons before the years of famine came, which Asenath, the daughter of Potipharah, priest of On, bare unto him. What is repetition in the Bible? It's God's volume control. Twice we're told about her lineage. Why? To demonstrate the unbelievable mercy and grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. The other thing, there are many people who try to get to find racism in the Bible. There are people that teach that that racism is taught in the Bible. No, God wanted to keep the line for the Messiah pure. So he made sure that Jews married Jews. Amen? But look at what happens here. If you look at verse 50, and unto Joseph were born two sons. Look at verse 51. And Joseph called the name of the firstborn Manasseh. Look at verse 52. And the name of the second he called Ephraim. It's interesting. Those that are racist, two of the 12 tribes of Israel, the children, were not pure Jews. Isn't that interesting? What is that? That's the grace of God. God doesn't care what your race is. He wants you to be saved. He wants you to be a son, an heir, and a joint heir with the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. And what a blessing that is. I've got so much more that I want to do, but we're going to do it another time. Because we have learned so much right now about who Jesus Christ is. We've learned that He is on the throne We've learned that He's to be worshipped, that you're supposed to bow your knee before Him. We've learned that through grace, that through grace, He's allowed us to become a part of His body. We've learned that He's the Savior of the world. I hope that you've bowed your knee before Him. Can I just show you one more thing, then we'll be done for today? Genesis chapter 41. verse Verse 49. And Joseph gathered corn as the sand of the sea very much until he was left numbering, for it was without number. There was so much food available that it couldn't even be counted. Do you know what the Bible says about Jesus Christ? That we have the riches of Christ. Do you know what Jesus Christ's grace is? It is inexhaustible. Do you ever feel like sometimes you ask too much from God? How many of you have ever felt that way? That, that, that you've asked too much from God. How can you ask too much from the one that has everything? How can you ask too much from the one who has no understanding of want or need? God has no concern with supply. None. None. So if you've asked him before, go and ask him again. He has more than you could ever possibly use, more than you could ever possibly need, more than enough for the needs of the whole world. they were able to feed the whole world out of Egypt. Jesus Christ is the bread of life. Anyone that comes unto him can live. It doesn't matter who it is. You can come to him and live. You can come to him for grace. You can come to him to have strength for what you need. Now, look, I'm done. I'm looking at some of y'all, and you're looking like you're about to fall asleep. So let me finish here. I don't know what your needs are I don't know what your trouble is but I know there's trouble does anyone here seriously the Bible says bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ I'm not going to ask you what it is uh, if, if, if there's someone here that's a close friend and they want to ask you what it is that's okay but how many of you would say pastor I do have a burden today would you raise your hand some kind of burden I do have a burden today do you know what the Bible says that Jesus Christ can bear that burden. there hath no remember we read first Corinthians chapter 10 verse 11 that these things are given to us as in samples Why, why is that important why are those things important because the end of the world has come upon us that's what it says do you know what the next verse says there hath no temptation taken you but such as is common to man that means everybody has trouble that doesn't mean that your troubles not significant what it means is trouble is universal There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. Somebody tell me what the next sentence is. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted. Above that you're able, but will with the temptation make a way of escape that you'll be able to bear it. You've got a burden this morning. Well, Jesus Christ has more help than you could ever possibly use. Will you go to him today? Will you trust him? That's who Jesus Christ is. Those people who wanted to live, they had to come and bow before Joseph. If you want to live eternally, you need to come and bow before Jesus. If you want to have abundant life right now, as a believer, you still need to come and bow before Jesus and find the strength and help that you need. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word.